You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Well, good morning, church. All right, let me hear you one more time. Good morning, church. Hey, I know, um, thank you for being here. Thank you. I know it's a, a dreary morning and uh, everybody's kind of rocking the holy hangover after Easter, right? Um, but it's, it's good to be here, and thank you for being here with us to worship with us today. Um, and and, and, and if, you don't, if you're not already excited, let me give you some cool reasons to get excited. Um, Easter, the Easter season for us at Vintage was just awesome. Um, from Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday together was just um, amazing. Going back to Palm Sunday, just kind of remind you that that weekend, 21 people went public with their faith through baptism. Can you celebrate that with me? That's awesome including a ton of kids in our kids' baptism service that night. I got to baptize my own children, which was awesome. And then leading into last weekend, um, Easter Sunday, over 700 people worshiped with us last Sunday, but more importantly, 16 people chose Jesus last weekend. Can you celebrate that with me, man? That's just awesome. Um, God is just doing amazing things, and you may not get to hear about all that. And there's a lot of cool things coming up over the next couple weeks. Um, this evening, uh, the big youth group, our, our vintage students relaunched a few weeks ago, and they had a lock-in and had over 40 kids show up, and it was just an awesome time. And they're kind of divvying up their time. If, if you're a parent of a teenager, you need to hear this. And, and if you're not, your kids will one day be teenagers. Um, and if you're like me, that's happening a lot sooner than I thought it would because I got like almost nine years old, and, and my little girl, she thinks she's 18. I'm going to have to whoop her tail because she's not 18. Um, you, amen? Uh, that's why I own guns. Um, so uh, tonight at 6.30 is the big youth meeting, and tonight they're going to be meeting in the party room at Sir Pizza. So if you're a parent of a 6th to 12th grader, just keep that in mind. Uh, Sir Pizza here in Randleman at 6.30 for an awesome time. Those in-between weeks, they're breaking out into uh, guys' groups and girls' groups and just really digging into the Word together, and God's doing amazing things. Um, if you are new to Vintage, welcome. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here at Vintage, and we're so glad that you're here. At some point in the morning, I'd love for you just to let us know that you were here, not because we want to hound you or we're not going to show up at your house or anything like that, but we just want to say thank you for worshiping with us and just give you a, a small token of our appreciation. And we want to be here for you if you have any questions about your experience this morning or any questions about our church. Um, if you'd fill out one of those cards that's in your seat and drop it by the Connections tent as you go out today, um, one of our volunteers would just love to meet you and connect with you. Also, uh, we typically do something called Vintage 101 the first Wednesday of every month. So if you're new to our church and maybe you've just been coming for a while and you're like, okay, I, I'm, I'm a little bit more curious as to what this church is all about and kind of what's happening here. And so we do something called Vintage 101. In that seminar, I teach it and you get to find out more about what we believe, why we do church the way that we do church, uh, how we're structured as far as our leadership and those kinds of things. Um, we're supposed to do that this Wednesday, but we're pushing it this for this month alone um, to the sec for May, the second, uh, it'll be actually two weeks, the second Wednesday in May. You with me? So instead of the first Wednesday in May, it'll be the second Wednesday in May. And the reason why is because the first Wednesday in May, we're going to be coming back from Haiti. Um, this week on Wednesday, we're taking a team of 12 down to Haiti. We take a team to a uh, mission strip in Haiti every other year, and our team for 2017 leaves this Wednesday. Um, so before we leave this morning, toward the end of our service, um, those who are in this service who are a part of that team are going to come down front, and we're going to pray the resources of heaven down on them. Is that cool, family? We, gonna, we, we can do that. Um, and so just be in prayer for that team. So there is a lot of stuff going on around our church. Uh, but today we begin a new series. And uh, let me just ask, can I take a little survey? 
Anybody, have you ever had your mouth get you in trouble? Yeah, you see, y'all just laugh. Like, I don't even have to, hand, like, everybody would have to say, like, if you ever had, like, you know, the whole put your foot in your, like, if you ever had a moment where your mouth has got you in trouble, you're like, you mean today? I mean, yeah, I, I mean, probably in the car this morning on the way to church. I mean, you need, you need to get, just have prayer before we even start church because of what happened in, at your house this morning trying to get out of the house, right? It's just kind of the way it goes. But sometimes, I mean, our, our words are powerful things, Amen. And, and words are easy to kind of, if you, if you ever notice, if you just change or mix up one word in a sentence, it can change the whole meaning of the sentence. And, you know, if you ever, and it, to do what I do for a living, I, I speak for a living. I, do, I, I speak all the time. And, you know, there's been times, b- believe it or not, I've said things I didn't mean. I know it's hard to believe. I've said dumb things, and I've been doing this for a really long time. And some, of the, some very specific instances stand out. Um, my dad uh, was a pastor. And uh, his first youth pastor, when he got married, I got to be the ring bearer in his wedding. Uh, I was like five or six years old. Um, fast forward several years um, after that moment, when I was a teenager, we did like a youth service at our church growing up. And if you remember that, if you didn't grow up in the church, there used to be this time where you just like let the, the, the students take over the service and do all the different things and that kind of stuff. Well, my dad invited this youth pastor who I was in his wedding to come and speak at our church. And he asked me if I would be the one to introduce him. His name was Jeff Lohman. And he asked, well, I think you should be the one to come up. And before Jeff gets up to preach that Sunday morning, you come up and you, you, you introduce him as coming up. So I said, okay, sure, got this. I'm probably like, I'm maybe 17 years old at the time. And so I get up and I'm introducing Jeff Lohman. I'm talking about, you know, I've known Jeff for, for so many years. He's been a big influence in my life. I even had the pleasure of being the pallbearer in his wedding. And see, everybody else did that, and I didn't know why. Because it didn't even hit me what I'd said. And I actually just went on, and I'm thinking, huh, I'm funny, huh? And just went and said, <laughs> Jeff got up, he looked at me, he said, you were the ring bearer, not the pallbearer. He said, there's been moments in my marriage it felt like the pallbearer, but you were the ring bearer. And like, Another time when I was, uh, when, if you don't kind of know our story, before we moved up here to plant uh, Vintage Church, uh, my wife and I were pastoring down in South Carolina. And when we, the whole thing with Vintage was starting to come about, and we thought we were going to be moving to South Carolina, I was, I was emailing a guy here in North Carolina just to set up some, some meetings and different things like that. And in the subject line of the email, my intention was to put hello from South Carolina. Somehow I ended up hail from South Carolina. <laughs> His response was, I'm sorry things are so bad in South Carolina. So, I mean, one little letter, and it has a whole different meaning. Come on. And you probably all have those instances. And, and it's worse. Like, you've got to be careful what you say around kids. Come on. If you got, how many times, if you have small children, when you've said something, and maybe you knew the small children were there, or maybe you didn't, and at some point down the line, they either said what you said in front of them correctly, and it got you in trouble, or somehow they misinterpreted something that you said, and they said it to somebody else, and you look like an idiot. Like, you've had those moments, and I, I, won't t- I won't tell most of those up here on me today because I want to stay your pastor f- for a few more years. But even just recently, I took um, my son, we went on a hike up at Burkhead Trail, and, and we were walking back, and, and it looked like, like this big black dog. We'd seen a dog earlier. It was, like, running down the other side of the trail. I said, man, that, that looked like a black bear or something. So about three days later, my mom texts him and is like, Aiden said, y'all saw a black bear while y'all were hiking. I'm like, no, we didn't see a black bear. You have these moments, and words are powerful things. And if we, if, we, if we mistake a word, if we miss a word, if we misinterpret a word, it can really end badly. And nowhere is that more true than the Bible. 
I mean, you think about how many times big things have happened because people have misunderstood, misquoted, or manipulated the Word of God. You with me? Say amen. I mean, the Word of God, we believe, if you're new to our church, I mean, it's from Genesis to Revelation. It's inspired by God. It may be written by people, but it's authored by God, and it has powerful things for us to learn, and it's, it's so much truth for our lives that we build our lives on, and it shapes our worldview, and it shapes everything from how we approach to relationships to, to everything in our lives should be touched by the Word of God. Amen? And so it's important that we, we really understand what God was trying to say in these different places. But can we all be honest? There's been times when people have leveraged God's word for their own agenda. Where people have twisted the word of God for it to mean something other than God intended it to mean. When people have leveraged a specific verse or a specific place in scripture and, and taken it out of context and, and attempted to hijack the Bible for their own purposes. And, and that's a dangerous, dangerous thing. It's one thing for, for, for us to kind of misspeak from time to time. But when we look in Scripture and we try to take it out of context and we manipulate it to, and leverage it to mean something that's for kind of our own good or to make us feel a little bit better, it's a dangerous place. And can we all admit that that continues to happen in our culture? Like far too frequently. And you know what? I hear people misquote the Bible all the time. I hear people say, well, you know what the Bible says? I'm like, no, it don't. You know, the Bible says this. And there, there's so many situations where people, not only do they misquote the Bible, they say things that are in the Bible that are not even in the Bible. You know, the Bible says cleanliness is next to godliness. I mean, I, I would love for it to say that because I'm kind of a clean freak too, but it doesn't say that. Well, you know, the Bible says God helps those who help themselves. Well, then why did he send Jesus? And there's all these different times that, and sometimes it's stuff that is in the Bible that we've read and somehow we've misinterpreted it because of our upbringing or because of a maybe well-intentioned preacher or Sunday school teacher or somebody that has twisted the Word of God and it kind of got warped by Scripture or popular opinion and, and things like that. And so what I want us to do over the next several weeks is, is to dive into some Scriptures and some things and some ideas that I think we've kind of missed the mark on from time to time in a series that we're calling This, Not That. That we're going to say, we're going to look at some things that this is what God meant, not that. This is what God was trying to say in this passage, if you look at it in its totality and, and cumulatively in Scripture. This is what God was trying to say, not that thing that, that you're trying to make it say, that you're trying to bend it to mean for your own purpose. This is what God meant, not that. And so today, I figured we would start with what I believe is probably the number one, this, not that verse. And when I read it, I think you'll agree with me. Grab your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 1 and 2. You can pull it up, access it however you want to. If you have the Vintage Church app, you can hit the notes tab, and it will take you there as a scripture. It will also be on the screens. But Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This, I think, is the number one passage that I think we miss and that I think is so important for us to get right. Because what we read, with this, we say, we, the first thing we say is, you can't judge me. Or maybe saying something like, you can't judge me. You've said it before, probably, right? 
Like when we read this passage, like that's, that's kind of our, you can't judge me. The other day, my, my, my son, he's, he's eight going on nine, and the boy eats like a 40-year-old, 400-pound truck driver. I mean, he eats everything, and I, like, I mean, he just eats and eats. I mean, the boy, he's just a growing boy. I mean, he's going to be a big kid. And the other day, he, he ate lunch for like three hours. I mean, like, I, I just kept going back there, and he was eating. And I came back in there, and he, he was eating one more thing. And I, just, I looked at him, and he cut his eyes at me and says, don't judge me, man. <laughs> I just go, okay, Aiden, good job, buddy. But this is kind of what we've seen, and, you know, and, and nobody likes to be judged, Right? And we've all, can we just be honest, we've all been on both sides of this. There's been times when, when we've been judged. Every one of us have. At some point in our lives. Where, where people have, have said something about you or made a statement about you or, or passed judgment on something that you've done or a haircut you've had or some clothes that you've worn or a relationship choice you've made or how you spent your money. Like, like some, all of us have been on that side of judgment, on the receiving side of judgment. But come on, we've all been on the giving side too, right? We've all been on the giving side where we've seen things or watched people and that kind of stuff. And, we've, and, we may, and so here's the question. Like when we look at this verse, the, what I feel like maybe that, that we've turned this into is what Jesus is trying to tell us here is that we can never, ever, ever offer correction to anybody. Can we all read like that's kind of what it's becoming? You with me say amen. Like you, like you, you can never look at, at the choices somebody's making or the behavior somebody's caught up in or you can, you can never offer correction. Who are you to judge? You can't say this is right and this is wrong. You do what's best for you. What's right for you is right for you, and what's right for me is what's right for me, and vice versa. Like, like who are we to ever say anything is right, wrong, black, white? What, like that, that's kind of the direction that our culture has gone in using this verse, isn't it? Talk to me, church. Come on. And it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter who they are or what kind of relationship it has because you, you do not have a right. Jesus said, don't judge. I mean, we can watch people caught up in destructive behavior, things that we know are unhealthy, things that we know are going to be bad for them and lead to a really dark place. But, but we can't judge. Is that really what Jesus was saying? Is, it really, is Jesus saying in this passage, like, there can never be any time or any moment when you have the right or the responsibility to speak, in, speak correction into somebody's life? It's funny, we, be, we believe that when we want to believe that. Come on. When, when, it's, when the judgment is being directed at us, it's usually when we lean in that direction. But if Jesus said, like, then if, if we take it at that literal value, then there, there should be no court system. The next time the cop pulls you over for going 75 and 65, and you look, you can't judge me. Why? Because Jesus said so. What, was, what, what did Jesus really mean? What was he really trying to say when he said, do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. See, I don't think that, that Jesus was saying, like, we, we never have the right to pass judgment. I don't think Jesus was saying we never have the responsibility to offer correction to people's lives. Because even if you look in the context, look what he says. If you, if you fall on down a few verses to verse 15 of that same chapter, chapter 7, Jesus says, watch out for false prophets. Now, in order to identify someone as a false prophet, you're going to have to pass a what? A judgment. 
So Jesus is saying, like, you're going to have to judge whether or not these people are, are correct or incorrect. And if you look within the context of what Jesus is saying here, you can begin to dig up the truth. And what I'm going to kind of, what I want to show to you today is that Jesus was not saying that we never have a right to issue judgment. We never have the right to speak correction. I don't think that's what he's saying at all. Because if you look, you know, what, what comes before Matthew chapter 7? This ain't hard, family. It's Matthew chapter 6. I mean, you know, okay. If you look in, if you flip over to Matthew Pat, chapter 6, he's in, he's in this conversation, and, there, and there's one word specifically that's mentioned several times within this conversation that Jesus has had. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. This is when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. There's a good word. See, I think like this verse, and it's specifically that word, is the number one problem people have with church and Christians. Come on. How many times have you been told when you're talking about going to church or inviting somebody to church, say, ah, I ain't going to church, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. You can always say, well, we could use one more. <laughs> not going to church because the hypocrites is like not going to gym because not everybody in there is fit. Makes no sense. But he's talking about hypocrites, and he says it multiple times, even drop down to verse 16 of chapter 6. And when you fast... Do not look somber as the hypocrites do. See, he's talking to these people who are, are passing judgment from, from the wrong position. And see, I don't think Jesus is at all saying we never have the right or the responsibility to speak correction into the life of another person when, when those things, the, the decisions that they're making and the things that they're going against are going against the things of God. And I think we're getting into this place where anytime we try to point out what Scripture says about something, it's made out to be that we're passing judgment. And I just believe that pointing out what Scripture says about a specific issue is not judgment, it's accountability. But we have to make sure, and I think what Jesus is trying to, to, to get us to understand is the position of our correction matters. You with me? That the position of our correction matters. And that a lot of times, yeah, we pass judgment from the wrong position with the wrong intentions. Come on. And what Jesus is, is warning us to do is, is not that we never have the opportunity to speak correction and issue judgment about certain things. But what he's saying is you have to be really, really, really careful about the position from which you are offering that correction. And I just want to walk through some really incorrect positions to offer correction. And like there's certain specific places that, that we don't get to jump off from. And first one is hypocritically, obviously. Like we don't get to offer correction and pass judgment hypocritically. Look at what he would later continue to say if you drop down to verse 3 of Matthew chapter 7. After he just said, don't judge lest you be judged by the same measure. So verse 3, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, he's talking to a group of people within this conversation that they're passing judgment on people for doing the very same things that they're caught up in themselves. And Jesus says, you have no right to do that. 
here you are, you're pointing out the sin and the wrong and all the, di the different things in somebody else's life when all along those things that you're calling out are present in your own. Who do you think you are? Like before you start dealing with their mess, why don't you try cleaning your own house? That they're, you're, you're seeing, you're pointing out all these different things that all these other people are doing and all these other, and the, and the sins that they're caught up in. And he's not, Jesus isn't saying that those things that those people are doing are right or okay. What he's saying is you're pointing out those things while those things exist in your own life. This is what we tend, we tend to accuse others and excuse ourselves. We tend to accuse others and excuse ourselves. Like we, we see other people doing some things and, 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 call, and, and it's almost like, well, and we use things like, well, I'm not, I'm not doing things as bad as they're doing. I ain't murdered nobody. And like we tend to kind of excuse and think, you know what, their sins are bigger than my sins. And since their sins are bigger than my sins, I have the right, the right to call their sins out. When God's saying like, every one of those sins is disobeying and breaking my heart and has the same penalty. And what Jesus is saying is, look, before you start offering correction to somebody else, before you start pointing out the mess in their lives, why don't you address your own mess? Before you start offering a, position, a, a correction, and you understand you can't, you have no right when you come from a position of hypocrisy. And when you're hypocritically calling out the behavior of other people, knowing that there are things exist in your life that you need to deal with, you need to address those things. Paul would write this in Romans chapter 2. Check this out. That you, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you pass judgment, you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is indeed uh, intended to lead you to repentance? Like Jesus is saying, like the position from which we offer correction matters. And when we come at people hypocritically, and you know what I've, that I've discovered, and maybe this is me personally, that we tend to offer our harshest judgment from a position of our deepest weakness. You know what I can identify in the life of other people more than anything else? The things that I've been caught up in myself. You with me? Like, I think sometimes we're, we're harshest on people when they're caught up in areas that we've been weakest in. And it wants us to call, we tend to call out those things and identify those things. You know why? Because you know what? When we've been caught up in certain things, we, we can identify the symptoms. We can identify the behavior patterns. And it's most easy to see things in others that we've been caught up in ourselves. And that it, before you offer correction, maybe you need to start allowing God to fix the things in you that are broken and start uh, dealing with your We can never come from a position hypocritically. Second thing is this. We can never offer correction ignorantly. We can never offer correction ignorantly. Look what Jesus would say. John chapter 7 verse 24. Stop 
judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Well, number one, that, that kind of helps kind of what I'm saying here, right? You, you know, notice what Jesus says? Judge correctly. Uh, he's saying we, there's times when we have to ex- express judgment. We have to offer correction. But you have to be careful that stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. That so often that our correction or our judgment comes from a position of ignorance. Like we're speaking about things and about people, and we have no idea what we're talking about. We're on the outside looking in, and we don't know their situation. We don't know what's happening. We don't know all the details. We don't know all the story. We see one little thing or read one little thing or hear through the grapevine about one little thing, and next thing you know, all we've done is turn into a big group of gossips. I remember growing up, for most of the people you grew up in the church, you had a prayer chain. That ain't nothing but a gossip line. Oh, did you hear? Oh, really? She did? Well, I always knew she was like that. Coming from a position, and like this so often that like, we judge, I know this is because we judge the book by its cover. We pass judgment and we offer correction without knowing all the facts and all the details. <laughs> it's like my little girl and, and, and if you walk around here, we got a lot of pregnant people around here. Okay, just, I mean, it, it's awesome. But we were riding in the car, and I, and I won't mention who, who we were talking about. We were talking about somebody in our church, and they're like, yeah, she's having a baby, blah, blah. And Le- Leah pipes up, my little girl. She said, Miss so-and-so is pregnant. I said, yeah, baby. Oh, good. I thought she was just getting fat. <laughs> I, be- I hesitated to tell that story, but I thought it was appropriate. See, so many of us, we, we come from that ignorant position. We don't know what's going on. We don't know the details. We don't know the situation. We don't know what's happening. Or we, we pass a situation and we just catch a glimpse of something or we see th- something that we think is inappropriate and that kind of stuff. Let me tell you something. If you are going to speak correction to somebody's life, you need to make sure you've done your homework. You need to make sure you've had the right conversations. You need to make sure that you're coming from a place not of ignorance but of understanding and compassion. You with me? And there's so many times when we've seen, you know what, this was the biggest thing that got Jesus in trouble within his ministry. Oh, you're hanging out with people that are drinking. Oh, you're hanging out with prostitutes. Oh, you're, see, the, the thing that the religious people hated about Jesus the most is he hung out with people that gave him the appearance of maybe he was caught up in things that he wasn't caught up in. But because he was associated with those things, they were willing to pass judgment on who he was and what he was doing and what he was about. And we're so guilty of the same thing, Amen. Jesus says, don't judge by just a mere appearances. Like, if we're going to speak correction into people's lives, if we're going to offer that to invest in them, have all the facts, man. And can I just say something? Why don't we talk to people instead of about people? Why don't we talk, talk to them before you start talking about them? That if there's something that you see in the life of another person, what if you just went up to them instead of other people and say, hey, have you seen what so-and-so is doing and, and what they're caught up in? And have you heard this and that? Why don't you go to the source and have a conversation? Confrontation is not a bad word. It's how things get resolved. We cannot come from a position hypocritically or ignorantly. The third thing, we cannot judge them. We cannot offer correction unfairly. And what I really mean by that is it is unfair to expect people who don't know Jesus to act like people who do. Do you hear me? It is unfair 
to put the expectations of somebody who follows Jesus onto somebody who has not made that profession. This is exactly what Paul was saying. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. What Paul is saying is, you know what? He's talking to the family. And when you're part of a family, you got things that you can say to the family. Come on. Like, there's things that you can say to your family that you can't say to other people. Because there's that, and when it was inside the church, you know what? If you've made a profession of faith and you claim to follow Jesus and you say God is number one in my life and you want to pursue him and you've made that clear and you've professed that and you've gone through the waters of baptism and you said, you know what? What you're declaring before the world is I'm a follower of Jesus. And that should come with change and fruit and God, the Holy Spirit working in you and all this kind of, and that, that opens the door for other believers to have the opportunity and the responsibility to speak into your life. And following Jesus, it's not going to happen overnight, but it's going to change you. Come on. And I, I, we, the mission of this church is inspiring people to live in love like Jesus because we believe that once you accept Jesus every day, your life should look more like the life of Jesus than the day before it. But you know what? If you don't proclaim to believe in Jesus, if you don't claim to believe in God, if you don't claim to believe in Scripture, I think you're making a really bad decision, but that's your decision to make. And you know what? I don't have any right to put those expectations on you. That's what Paul's saying. You can't get... Have you ever walked up to a duck who was acting like a duck and said, stupid duck? Why are you acting like a duck? You should be acting like a, like, like a lion. It makes no sense, but it. Y'all look at me like I'm crazy, but that's stupid, isn't it? That makes no sense. And when you go up to somebody who doesn't claim to know Jesus and you try to project the expectations of behavior and, and fruit that is, is somebody who claims to know Jesus, what Paul's saying is like, that's, that's not fair because they haven't made that profession of faith. You with me? But how often do we do that? That we put that expectation on people. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Now this is what I need to understand. But if, if somebody is know it, claiming to know Jesus, and falls, makes some bad decisions. Yeah, we need to speak into their lives, but we need to do it fairly and gently. And what I've noticed, Christians love to shoot our wounded. We've all grown up in it. We've seen people who, who know Jesus and follow Jesus, but somewhere along the way, they get caught up in some things. They make mistakes. Temptation gets the best of them, and they fall. And can I just say, as the church, we have mishandled those situations so often. We've either dismissed it completely, or we've been so harsh and just drove people away. But Paul says this in, Gal in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person. What's that word there? Gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Watch yourselves because you're going to be tempted to gossip. You're going to be tempted to be mean. You're going to be tempted to be harsh. Like if we're going to offer correction, then we have to do it. We can't do it from a position hypocritically. We can't do it ignorantly. And we can't do it unfairly. But nowhere in Scripture is God discouraging us from speaking correction into the lives of others. And I'm afraid as we move toward that end, 
or if we're going to get to the place where we see people walking off a cliff and we have the opportunity to save them from destruction and we don't take it because we've turned it into that instead of this. I think God gives us the, the responsibility to speak into the lives of others. But if we don't do it from the right position, if we don't do it with the right intentions and the right motives, it's going to be more hurtful than helpful. But I believe we have that responsibility. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? I want to address a couple different groups of people in the room. Maybe you're here and there's somebody that you love. And you're watching them go down a very dangerous, destructive path. You are worried that at any moment, a decision they're going to make is going to be so detrimental to them in so many ways. And you've been just struggling of how to speak correction into their lives. Can I, I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up? Like, there's somebody in my life. I know I need to speak into their lives. I know I need to offer accountability and encouragement. And I need to speak. Just keep them up because I want to see them. Uh, and I want to do it right. I want to do it well. I don't want to make it worse. It's so important, church, that we, that we get this right. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Or maybe you're here and, and you're another group of people. And, and, and part of the reason, maybe, maybe this is your first time back in church because somewhere along the way, the church was really, really unfair to you. Hypocritically and ignorantly and unfairly passed judgment on you and it hurt and it made you burned and bitter. And even to come into church today was hard for you because of that experience. Can I just say, on behalf of all of us, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And my prayer is that, that that bitterness, that that cause would just begin to be eased and washed away by loving, caring people that are around you right now. If, that, if that's you, would you have the courage just to throw your hand up? Amen. 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 Father, I thank you for the people that are in this room, God. I pray for those who are in here today who are watching people that they love experience really, really hard things because they're walking down a path that is destructive and contrary to your best for their lives. And God, I know it's so hard sometimes to, be, to find the right words and the right time and the right way to speak into the lives of, of those people, Lord, and it not feel like judgment. But God, it's, it's something that's necessary because we, we just want to see them healthy and whole. And God, I pray for every hand that went up. I God, I pray that you would help them just to have wisdom and discernment and courage and compassion to speak into those lives in a way that's helpful and constructive instead of instead of destructive lord and i pray that you would create opportunities for those conversations to be had and may may you give them the right words to articulate those things in a way that the person on the other side will receive it and be open god i pray that you would help us to to have those words god and i pray for the people in this room and the people that are avoiding this room because somewhere along the way a judgmental believer said something really mean, really hurtful, at the wrong time and in the wrong way. And God, I pray that you would just help people that are experiencing that just to have the forgiveness in their hearts, to let other people back into their lives and to give you and your church another chance, that you would bring healing and whole, wholeness and restoration to people's faith in you and faith in your church. God, help us to get this right. Help us to do a better job of speaking correction into the lives of the people that are around us. 
We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said amen. Amen. Will you just celebrate church this morning? All that God's doing in the room. Amen. Amen. All right, this time we're going to bring the lights back up. And I'm going to invite, if you're here today and you're, you're going to Haiti with us on Wednesday, would you kind of make your way to the front? Any team members that are in here in first service this morning, would you just show these people some love, church, as they prepare to go on an intense week of serving the Lord in Haiti? I'm going to ask you guys, if you would, just come and maybe kneel around the point of the stage. And I'm going to ask if you're, if you, if you're, if these, one of these people is one of your loved ones, one of your family, one of your friends, or somebody, and you just feel led, would you just come lay hands? I'm going to invite you if you feel led. Maybe you've been on, uh, on one of our Haiti teams before and you want to come and lay hands on these people. I'm going to invite you just to come and, and surround this group of people as we prepare to head to Haiti this Wednesday and minister to people down there. Uh, we're going to be actually rebuilding a church that was destroyed by Hurricane Matthew and helping create a space for people to find Jesus um, down there. And so we're going to pray over this team this morning and just ask God to just meet with them. Um, it's going to be an intense week of work, church. We're going to be camping out for four days in, in a really remote area, and it's going to be physically and spiritually and emotionally demanding. And so these people that are around here, would you just pray for them this morning and just lift them up as we leave on Wednesday, and we'll be there for seven days. And so maybe you're sitting in your seat, and you just kind of want to symbolically just lift, put your hand out kind of to, to pray over these people if you feel led to do that. But join me, church, in praying over this team. Father, thank you, God, for this opportunity that you're going to give us, Lord, to go to a, a, a foreign place but with beautiful people that you created on purpose and with purpose. And God, I thank you for these people that are willing to, to take vacation time or, or give up work and, and, and be away from their families and, and sacrifice so much to, to go and selflessly and sacrificially do something that they're never going to see really a benefit from. And God, I pray that as we prepare to go and leave out on Wednesday, that you would prepare all of us emotionally and mentally and spiritually and physically for what we will be doing down there. God, I pray that, that you would give safety and protection and provision for all these. God, for the loved ones that they'll leave behind, I pray that you give them peace of mind while we're gone to know that, God, your hand uh, of protection will be on us and that you're going to guide us, through, guide us through this experience and use it to build your kingdom, God. And God, we're just reminded today, Lord, that, that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. And God, even though at times being a part of the things that are bigger than ourselves are scary and intimidating, God, we won't be shaken. We won't be, we won't be moved from following your purposes for our lives, God. Whether it be confronting sin or confronting issues or dealing with things like this, or whether it be getting in a, on a plane and going thousands of miles away to, to work really hard in really, really rough conditions. But God, we just thank you for the opportunity. May we feel blessed to serve you, God. And there's nothing that we do for you and for your kingdom that is small or meaningless, Lord. So God, prepare this group of people. Use us in a mighty way. Watch over us as we serve you in this way. And may your kingdom be built and may you be glorified by every single thing that we do. So in Jesus' name we pray. And once again, all of God's people said together, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.